Um, if you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning to Acts 2, Acts 2, 1 to 12. I'll be projecting on the screen later. If you haven't got a Bible, that's okay. Um, uh, you'll see it up on the screen later. So, good morning. Welcome. I just want to start, I think this morning, you know, particularly as Alice brought that song behind, lifted up, the whole worship this morning was real one of thankfulness and release um, in, in Jesus, wasn't it? it was, there was a real sense that God, the Holy Spirit, is with us. And if God, the Holy Spirit, is with us, who can be? Absolutely. So I just want, right at the start of me unpacking a few things, I'm going to talk about a few things this morning um, and hopefully excite you about a few things, but I just feel it would be good just to start this morning by applauding Jesus for everything he has done over the years, he has done over the last year, and that he's going to do in the coming year. Let's just thank Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. If you're a visitor here, you are very welcome. Uh, Thank you for coming. Welcome to Vision Sunday, another one of our Vision Sundays. As many of you know, as Simon said, next week's our annual family uh, meeting where we applaud God. That's what we do at our family meetings, by the way. We applaud God for all his provision and faithfulness uh, throughout the year. It's just really another excuse for worshipping. That's what we do, okay? Um, And so in anticipation of that, this morning, I really want to really share my heart, the elders' heart, if you like, as to how we feel as elders um, the church is going. How, what does the future look like? What has God got in store for us? And so uh, this week, next week in the morning as Jeremy speaks and, and also on the evening, quite a few of the team, trustees, elders, different people, you'll be getting more of a glimpse of some of these things. This isn't the only time that we're going to be talking about things. We're going to be talking about this a few times uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks. Someone, I think it was Bill Hybels, someone described vision as a picture, imagine a picture, a picture of the future that inspires passion. I like that quote. So right at the start, it got me thinking, right at the start, the question is to us all, Jubilee, what does that picture of Jesus' glorious church look like for you? and in the life of your family. Where would you, Jubilee, paint yourself in? Let me put it, let me phrase it slightly differently. If there's a gap, if there was a gap in God's great, is there a gap in God's great collage, God's beautiful picture that is looking for you to fill it? He calls you his work of art, doesn't he, in the Bible, in Ephesians. Or is church life just about going through the motions. R.C. Sproul, uh, a great church leader and theologian, once said, the complaint that church is boring is never, ever made by a people who are in awe of God. That was a, re- that's a, that was a really challenging um, um, quotation for me. And really, that's the point of this morning, and thankfully God's gone before us. That's the point of right from the beginning of this morning, as God the Holy Spirit has been 
with us. Jubilee, God is calling for a spirit-filled people so passionate for, for Jesus that they cannot, will not stop giving their life to him, declaring his will and rule and reign and kingdom, his joy news everywhere they go, everywhere God sends them. That is a vision. That is a picture that inspires passion. Bill Johnson writes, the fullness of the Spirit in us is measured primarily by how, by how much of it overflows out of us and touch the, touches the world all around us. That's what he says. And so, I guess that's why God has drawn me to, to Acts um, 2, 1-12. to That's Pentecost for those of you uh, who are aware of that. After Jesus died and rose again, Pentecost, after Jesus died and rose again, and, and then when the outpouring of God the Holy Spirit hits his, new, his, his newfound church, power comes. That's what happened at Pentecost. God the Holy Spirit was released into the lives of everyone. Suddenly, his people were the dwelling place of God. Amazing. So let's read it together and see what God says to us, all of us. And if you've got a Bible, follow it just to check what I'm saying. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house they were, where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Back in the Old Testament, fire was often used as the image of God, Moses, and God on the top of the hill. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Spirit brought gifts. The Spirit uh, brought motivation. Now, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. They were quite shocked. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans, not one of us, then how is it that each of us hears them in our native languages? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and, and, and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, all of them, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our tongues. Fascinating. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what on earth does this mean? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God who gives meaning. Thank you, Lord, that you bring your word alive in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you pierce our hearts, that you speak to people through your word, through your spirit, through the songs we sing, through the time that we spend worshipping you. And I pray this morning, this time is no different. I pray, Lord, have your way. Right from the outset, have your way in our lives. We submit to you this morning, everything. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God who breaks things off, that lifts things off. And I pray, Holy Spirit, as we hear uh, uh, this word this morning, we have eyes to see and ears to listen. 
Come, Lord, be with us. Come, Lord, be with me as I speak these words. I pray, Lord God, that as I speak to them, I'm in line with you, our guider, the one who guides us, the one who gives us direction, the one who gives us hope. Thank you, Lord. So this is a really phenomenal day in the history of the church. In fact, it's a really phenomenal day in the history, not just the early church, the global church. What, what, we, what, what I said, we, what, what's known as Pentecost, that's what it's called, the day of Pentecost. Over the last, let's, let me put it into kind of perspective, over the last three years, before this day, Jesus has been shaking up everything. His life was no other life, like no other life up until now. He gathered many to follow him. But throughout this time, increasingly, he started sharing things that shocked and upset some of his nearest and dearest. He said stuff like, my children, I'll be with you only a little longer. What? Where on earth are you going? We've given up everything for you, Jesus, said the disciples. He said things like, I'll not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. But I thought you said you were going. Who's coming? What are you talking about? Come on. Help me here, Jesus. Are you all right? You can only imagine the disciples' bewilderment. Their turmoil, their confusion. What now? What is going on? But before Jesus left them um, for his life-rescuing mission to the cross, we hear and read about that every week here and, on Sunday, uh, and, on, and at Easter, but particularly at Easter, as he goes to the cross uh, for you and me, he gave, he, before he leaves for that, he gives them very clear instructions, doesn't he? He says, do not, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. The gift above all gifts. Jesus gives lots of gifts, you know. But this is the gift above all gifts, which you've heard me speak about. Jesus was saying everything has changed. Did you hear that? He was promising them that he, God, was going to dwell in his people through his Holy Spirit and nothing, therefore, would be ever the same again. And Jubilee, when God the Holy Spirit comes amongst us as his people, it's no different today. God the Holy Spirit still empowers us, even today. Some people don't believe that, unfortunately. But God, the Holy Spirit, still empowers us today for everything we do. He's the one who has called us to our Isaiah 61 for our vision. Purpose statements going way back to 1998 when a man who didn't even know where Teesside was was called to pick up sticks, bring along his wife 300 miles up north and birth this church. I'm looking forward to Jeremy and Anne coming next week to share their vision. But this week, but this week, just before that, I want to spend just a few, mil- few minutes, probably about 20 minutes or so, really unpacking how God the Holy Spirit is working in us. What is the journey ahead? So you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to head them under my usual four R's, our four R's. Now, can anybody remember what the first one is? Receiving Jesus. God. What was the other one? 
Refreshing? <laughs> Reaching out. He does refresh, absolutely. Reaching out. Releasing everyone and restoring community, that's right. So firstly, receiving Jesus. On September the 1st, 1939, a man called General Marshall became Chief of Staff to the US Army on the first day of World War II. Big job, really. Back then, this army only consisted of about 174,000 poorly equipped, what people would say, rubbish soldiers. And what was amazing about this man was that only in a period of five years, of, uh, only in a period of five years, he turned this flimsy bunch um, of fighting men into the greatest army, or one of the greatest army the world has ever seen. A force of over eight million men by then. Winston Churchill hailed George Marshall as the organizer of victory and declared that he had paved way to triumph through his skillful brilliance as a strategist and a trainer of men. Phenomenal guy. Phenomenal guy. As we read the beginning of Acts, let me tell you what Dr. Luke, the writer of Acts, wants, us, wants to get across here to us all. It's this. The success of the early church was not, and I repeat, not, is not, down to any first century equivalence of the great General Marshall. That's what the description of Pentecost is trying to make clear to us. When people read this, they would have been flabbergasted. Because Jesus' men were not general, were not, were not general marshals. Just look at some of them. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, was always getting his feet stuck in the mud, those of you who've read the Gospels. Before Jesus' crucifixion, he was terrified and totally denied even knowing Jesus when a little girl asked him about him. It took this same Peter 12 years, 12 years, to realize that he was meant to take the Gospel not just to Jews, but to the rest of the world, to Gentiles. 12 years! And even then, when he got round to it, the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians 2.11, he had to go to Peter and say, for he was then, even then, plainly wrong in the way he was going about it. Peter wasn't a general marshal. But that's fresh coming from the Apostle Paul, isn't it? Uh, his critics in the church at Corinth said this about him, um, but in person he is unimpressive, and his speaking amounts to nout or nothing. General Marshal Paul. I don't think so. Reading the Gospels, the disciples, all of them, were actually not very impressive. So what changed them? Because history tells us that they went on to change the face of the earth. And it was this, wasn't it? Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jubilee, we need 
lots of help always. As an eldership team, as leadership teams, as department teams, we need lots of help always. Our personal and corporate lives need to be saturated in God. That is our God-given responsibility, dependent on God, reliant on God, in prayer, in worship, in, what the Bi- in, in how and what the Bible speaks to us. An individual thing, yes, but also a together, corporate thing too. It's essential. I love how our prayer meetings have multiplied throughout the month and the week, if you like. More opportunities to pray. More people being caught up into, in the together prayer life of the church. What with Dennis and Kirian calling us passionately, um, um, calling us passionately and creatively to intercede for breakthrough and power in the church. What with Mona gathering women on Wednesday afternoons, Gavin gathering others in the morning, seven o'clock, or our Jubilee together prayer meetings and prayer and prayers evenings, prayer in our monthly devoted celebrations. A lot of you just pray, just meet together to pray because some of you are just like that. We as elders pray. Our kids, our youth pray. It's wonderful. A praying church is a powerful church. Justin Welby, Archbishop of Canterbury, says this, prayer changes us. It does, doesn't it? As we pray, we come closer to God. In prayer, His desires become our desires. God wants us to line us up with His desires. That's what I love about prayer. Dynamic, spirit-led, passionate, courageous prayers change a church. Worship, too, has always been a delight at Jubilee. I've loved being led by Shirley and Alice. Alice! Wow! What a voice. Yeah? I love Andy's passion um, for Jesus. Is this working still? Yeah. Uh, I love Andy's passion for Jesus. I tell you now, he's not a general marshal. But he's a man of faith. He and his team are prepared to battle. It hasn't been easy, has it, Andy? For the last few months, wherever you are, there you are. Um, and that's not actually unusual. Whenever a church tries to take steps forward, a battle often raises, I've seen, rages, I've seen it time and time again, in the area of worship as we try and raise leaders, as we try and press on. But we keep pressing on. In a few weeks, we're meeting Farner and Gideon to talk about how we can be more inclusive in our worship and uh, with the different languages. Shirley is helping us bring our children along. We saw a bit of that this morning um, in worship. Parents, Sarush, well done for exhorting our parents to, um, uh, to model something to our children in this half hour, particularly uh, at the start of worship, our family worship time. John and Angie, thank you for bringing our children's worship and prayer time to the forefront of what we do. Our children, Jubilee, bring Jesus to us in very unexpected ways. Watch out. Thanks to Leslie and others on our creative team continuously inspiring us about the cre- our creative creator God the beautiful God we worship. We are worshippers, Jubilee. We will continue to be worshippers, passionate for Jesus. 
I love this church for that. <coughs> Through our teaching program, we receive more and more of Jesus, don't we? It's all about Jesus. It's been great to hear different people sharing their hearts and what God has been speaking to them over our summer Sunday services. Stories of faith. Also, um, um, uh, also hearing the same at our, some of our devoted monthly celebrations. It's been stimulating and provoking, inviting others from, from our New Frontiers family to share what God has put on their heart for us. John Hosier, his last visit, was so impressed by the church um, when he came last that he booked on immediately for next year. Don and Lisa are back in March 2017. They're excited. Joseph Mueller and Zam- uh, Joseph Mueller from Zambia um, asked if he could come and visit, her, visit us in October, just the other day. Stephen Sutton from Colby Baptist Church, who hosted our, who hosted our Christ First Worship and Prayer Day um, a few months ago, will be joining us later in the year to share his one church heart for, uh, for uh, Teesside. Over the next year, we're increasingly seeing and releasing a teaching team across the church in different areas, in different ways. Receiving Jesus through prayer, through, his wo- through worship, through the Word. Secondly, reaching out. Reaching out. What's most fascinating about this Pentecost story is how suddenly a ragtag bunch of fearful Jews suddenly, uncontrollably actually, start declaring the Gospel to the world with courage and passion that they never had before. Many of them actually died because of it. God's Isaiah 61 kingdom manifesto to us is a big, big, big one, Jubilee. To proclaim good news to the poor, we've been sent up to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the real Jubilee freedom that Jesus brings, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve. To be and bring, hear that, to be and bring the encouragement of God into people's lives. I loved what Liz shared this morning. A crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. Which is in the hearts of so many people across Teesside. The nation and the nation's. Look, in this next season, we want, we want reaching out in Jubilee to be real simple. I know it's complicated, but we want it to be real simple. We want all of you, and especially me, to really get our together reaching out plan. And as I said, it's fairly straightforward because that helps me a lot. Andy often talks to me in the office. He says, keep it simple, stupid. Kiss. And it basically boils down to two things. In all we do when it comes to reaching out, we are asking you to make friends and then ask them to try Alpha. Simple. Make friends and then ask them to try Alpha. Now, that, now that's very simplistic, isn't it? 
But that'll, that will look like a lot of different things to a lot of different people in this room. The time frame of these two activities will also be very different across this church. And also, by the way, Jesus can save however he pleases to. You know that, don't you? We're not limiting Jesus. But as we've been praying, as we've been waiting on God over these last few months, um, and particularly preparing and getting a newfound faith for this uh, up-and-coming Alpha, as God has been giving us bigger faith for seeing salvation actually across the whole of Teesside. These two things that God spoke to us in our discussions as people have come into our presence, if you like, in meetings and different settings, being prophetic, um, these two things have really spoken a bit of clarity to us. We want our community groups to deliberately be making friends. We want to facilitate you, the church, to make friends with guys who we regularly bump into through some of our social action activity, at Sparklers, at Open Door, at Hope, through Food Bank, through the Jubilee football team, through, through, through safe families, through meeting people on the street at, uh, as we give them a cup of tea at Oasis, near Asda. Is that right? Increasingly, I believe Jesus wants us to be deliberate about the friendship and the connections he's already given us. And then being proactive about other people. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill. People don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That's crazy. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify, praise your Father in heaven. That's the point. At our community group, we've started regularly praying for five people, just five, in our lives that we love and want to share, our, the, share the message that changed our lives with. We started inviting them to things, and uh, uh, we started inviting them to things um, that we've put on, or asking them for coffee or whatever. Not because they're projects. It's very important. This, not because they're projects. I don't like churches that treat people like projects. No, because we care. We love them. We value them. We want to look out for them. We want to see more in their lives and their families, don't we? I do. Our friends and family and life colleagues are important to us, Jubilee. That's what the gospel does. And secondly, we'd like you to eventually ask them to try Alpha. We want to bring Alpha right back into the heart of what we do. If, I, ho I hope over the, over the last few weeks you'll, be, you'll have been experiencing that um, uh, more and more. The new Alpha film series that we'll be using from, um, from next month has really uplifted, I think, the way we share or we, the way we prospectively share the gospel at Alpha, full of amazing stories. We heard Graham Seed um, just at the prayer meeting the other night, full of amazing stories, full of amazing people from all walks of life, full of heart-gripping images, captivatingly presented, something for everyone to relate to, declaring the power of the gospel in lives throughout the world. Listen, this is our promise. 
If you bring friend, if you bring your friends or your colleagues to try Alpha, we will captivate them by the beauty of church togetherness and the wonder of Jesus. That's a promise. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, try Alpha. You love it. It's a, I cannot get across to you what an amazing few weeks those weeks are. Fun, you eat, you get to know people, you get stimulated, provoked, encouraged. It's a no-brainer. If you want to know more about that, chat to me or pick up a leaflet. As a church, we continue to reach out to the poor and marginalized, like Jesus did. Open Door over the years has been significant in this. I have loved watching Paul Cattrall, Sarushan Marvash, Andrew and Lucy Jackson, Andy Colcliffe, Liz Winston over the years, and Mike Carney and others give their lives to this cause. They care. What started out as a simple act of compassion to one asylum seeker around 2000 is now a big gospel-declaring, loving organization. Praise God. And as I shared with you last year, increasingly, I felt God say, if you remember this, the child that was Open Door Northeast has now become an adult. That's what I felt God say in my spirit. What we, what we Jubilee birthed so many years ago has come of age, has grown up brilliant. She's doing really well, actually. And recently, as we said, uh, we would do last year, we are, we are proactively transitioning Open Door Northeast to be more self-sustaining and secure, fit for the future, fit foundationally. At the moment, as you know, Jubilee funds and houses a lot of our open-door activity and staffing. Actually, that is changing massively and gradually. But you know what? We've been glad to do that. That isn't an issue. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Open-door has changed the face of this church and will continue to do so. I love that. But we're making big steps of faith. That, uh, uh, but we're making big steps of faith in terms of transitioning the child into an adult for it to be more self-sustaining and funding itself. You'll hear more about that at the family meeting. So keep praying for wisdom in this. Pray for God's provision. Pray for faith of the people involved. Uh, pray for further opportunities um, to bring hope and dignity to the lives of asylum seekers and refugees and the many nations that that re represents across Teesside. We love that vision. We are passionate about it. To make friends with them. Pray also for the beautiful things that happen through the people of this church. Lots of things. The Hope Foundation. Footprints, the ministry of Alan and John Earl to help vulnerable and those lost in areas of life. Into Out Prison Rehab Ministry. Pray for Food Bank and Sarusha as he continues uh, to manage this across Middlesbrough. Not easy. Pray for safe families. Pray for sparklers. Pray for our football team. Outreach. God is working through our God is working through our through our reaching out activity, through our social action, through our social engagement, through the fact that basically we care. Because that's what the gospel does. Another exciting part of our reaching out commission is with the French is with the friendships that we have grown in other nations. 
I'd love this. I love how we as a, we as a church, Saroosh often says this, and it always gets me excited. I love how we are a church of many nations going to the nations. It's good. It was wonderful to have Michael Akotier from Ho in Ghana with us again. We facilitated some really helpful dialogue, exploring how we could help and support church planting and training leaders in that part of the world. I think that's partly what um, Joseph from Zambia wants to talk to us about. Very exciting. Luke and Fair, Seth and Martha, we're in this together, aren't we? Luke and Fair, Seth and Martha are serving us brilliantly in all of that. Paul and Jill continue to Paul and Jill continue exploring, um, continue to explore helping some of the church planting activity that is going on in Ethiopia in er, and, and in Eritrea, Eritrea. Dangerous. They're in Turkey at the moment. That's why they're not here. Bringing bringing encouragement to Jill and Andy Ball, who also went out there. Pray for that church too, Lighthouse Yalava. Pray for wisdom and breakthrough in these places. I am so grateful for Paul Woodward instilling the importance of the nations into us as an eldership team. It has also been exciting and quite curious, particularly for me who's tech-phobic, watching how we're starting to present ourselves in the many ways we do that gradually as it morphs and changes. Matthew has really helped us and has been patient with us, very patient with me through that process. Paying attention to detail, being creative. Next month, as we said at our gift day last year, we are launching our new website. We haven't shown you it. That's not it, by the way, Um, because we want it for you to be a surprise. A new clean window into Jesus' life in this church. The windows have been cleaned for those of you who remember that. I believe our technology is going to be significant in the way we interact with those outside of the church. Check it out, but not yet, because it's not ready yet. We'll let you know when it's up. And thank you, Matthew, and all the other people who have contributed to this big project, redoing the website. Thirdly, restoring community. See what the Spirit of God does to all the barriers and walls and divides that mankind builds between people. He pushes them down. He unites. He forgives. He gives grace to love. He declares joy and unity in all of our differences. See verse 9. This actually is going, taking you back to the curse of the, uh, 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 the, curse of the Tower of Babel, actually. That's how they will have read it. See verse 9. The curse of the Tower of Babel at the beginning of the Bible starts unraveling. Suddenly, a once scattered people, due to their rebellion, come together in amazement and worship and awe of Jesus. That's what happens. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Iranians, Afghanis, Iraqis, People from one part of Eritrea, people from Ethiopia, people from Pontus, Asia, Egypt, all these other places come together in unity because that's what the Spirit of God does. From different backgrounds, from different ages, from different life stories, phenomenal, miraculous. Where else do you see that except in the church? Have a look right now. Have a look. Start looking at faces around you.
It always gets me. It really always gets me. Who could naturally bring you lot all together? And more importantly, listen to me. This is an amazing church. This is a church like no other. I love quoting Gordon Fee, another Bible teacher. It's a quote that raises the bar when it comes to community life in the church. It's a quote that calls all of us to action. No excuses. God challenges us to put down our own agendas for the sake of others, his church. He says this about community. God isn't simply saving diverse individuals and preparing them for heaven. That's going through the motions. Rather, he is miraculously creating a people for his name among whom God can dwell and in who in, and in, who, and who in her life together will produce God's life and character in all its joy and universe, uh, unity and diversity. That is an amazing quote. Every word. Jubilee, keep giving your all to our community groups. If you're not in one, get in one. If you're finding it hard, talk to us about it. This structure is key to all we do. Reaching out, as we've already said, it's key to pastoral care and growth in Jubilee. It's key to spotting and raising leaders. It's key to uh, welcoming new people. It's key to our worship and prayer, uh, prayer life together. It's key to our vision. Not being in a group affects us all. I'm serious about that. As Gavin said, as he brought 1 Corinthians 12 to us, as we all meant to be different bodily parts. All of you who lead community groups, well done. Thank you for the time and commitment of those of you who nurture others. Over the next year or so, the next challenge is going to be multiplying. Our community groups are so inviting that people don't want to leave them to lead others or don't want to change them. But growing and multiplying and setting in new leaders is part of the bigger plan. It just is. Pray about that, particularly as we move into this next alpha. How are we going to take these new alpha babies? I was an alpha baby once. How are we going to take them on a journey in group together, in community? Our kids and young people are also very much part of this, uh, of this strategy, aren't they? It's an, it's ama- it was amazing just the other night on Wednesday when Gavin started sharing in our prayer meet- meeting about what's happening amongst our youth, particularly on Fridays, a zeal and a yearning to experience more, a, a real international, fun feel to it. Our kids and our youth, worker, well, youth workers are precious to us, aren't they? You guys diligently labor away. Thank you. Well done. Alice, Rob, Gav, Haley, Liz, Jen, Julie, Jody, Amanda, Simon, Mim, John, Angie, others. Lots of others. Over the next year, uh, these two areas, kids and youth work, are going to be hot on the agenda, our agenda at eldership and leadership team meetings. What does our four-hour vision look like for them? How is God calling us to change, maybe? what we do. Pray for us as we seek God and act and follow his guiding. But you know what? As much as I love Jubilee community and I love Jubilee community, 
It actually goes beyond us. It fans out into new frontiers and Christ's central family of churches that were a part of it. It spreads out across apostolic spheres. It's amazing how that's working at the moment. As we work with churches from other nations, it gathers elders as we regularly pray and friendship together with the northern region elders teams. It breaks out across Teesside as we strategize and encourage each, with the, uh, encourage each other in different churches, different denominations, different styles, not grumbling over our little differences, but celebrating our oneness in Jesus Christ. Our first Christ First worship event here a few months ago, 400 strong, was a phenomenal display of, what, of the one church vision that is gripping more and more of us across Middlesbrough and Stockton and Teesside generally. Pray for these other guys who lead churches. Pray for them fervently. fervently. Pray that they will hear God and will have the courage of the Holy Spirit to move on. Finally, Releasing everyone. Do you believe when these guys, when these guys received the Spirit at Pentecost, that day they turned the world around. Remember, this was just after Jesus died. Normally when someone dies, their impact on the world usually dies with them gradually or begins to, you know, peter out. But this wasn't the case here. Jesus' kingdom is totally upside down. Jesus' impact was greater a hundred years after his death than during his life. It was even greater still after 500 years than during his life. After a thousand years, his legacy laid down the foundation. This is just fact. Laid down the foundation of much of Europe. After 2,000 years, he has more followers than ever. Billions. People want to shut him up. People think he'll just go away. People think he's relevant and pointless. But from the dark ages to right now, the world is realizing that Jesus is a man who's not going anywhere. He's here to stay. He's good. And so is his church. And that ever-increasing kingdom is what God is releasing all of us into more and more and more. Jubilee, don't count yourself out. Where is God calling you to serve? What is God calling you to do? Who is God putting in your way to tell and show them about the mighty works of Jesus? How generous is God calling you to be? Where will God send you next? Will you go? Will you follow him? Big questions. This is what pastoral care and discipleship are all about. Provoking, encouraging, equipping you to take further steps for God. Will you be bold enough? Will you trust Him? Will you have faith? If I'm honest, over the last few years, um, pastoral care and discipleship has been a bit fuzzy here. It has. But with clearer community structures now, it's, it's much better. We know who we are and who we care for and who cares for us. That's a big part of our community groups and what they're about. With the help of Sarush and Jill Cattrall and and, 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 a, and a bigger team, and Shirley and a bigger team around them, we are formulating a much more robust and proactive pastoral care and discipleship framework, talking to others, particularly guys in Shrewsbury. 
Helping, releasing people from past hurts and strongholds into all that God has for them. Painting a clear picture, an honest picture uh, of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Calling people to follow him. Follow him in life, in marriage, in the workplace, in parenting, in battling with sin, in, in being single, in our four-hour vision, in living life to the full as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult. Not an easy ride at all. Actually, a bit of an expedition, a costly one. But God is calling us to be more systematic about it, more encompassing of everyone, more proactive about it, exploring different equipping setting groups, equipping settings, groups, courses maybe, praying for us, pray for us as we continue to formulate this. Training and equipping is going to be a big part of releasing everyone too. As we send people on the school, uh, as we send people on school of leadership programs, on training events, in-house stuff, theology Thursdays, new days, we invite them into our lives as we pray and worship together, as we let them have a go, as we pray for them in life, as we do what Jesus did, we want to see more and more, and more people rise in the gifting of God that He's given them. I've loved leading this eldership team. You guys are amazing. It's always a privilege. It's always fun, isn't it? Particularly when uh, Suresh brings McDonald's at 7 o'clock in the morning. These are good, faith-filled, iron-sharpening, iron, courageous guys and families. Pray for us, will you? As elders, we're becoming increasingly encouraged by Gavin sitting on our team. I believe, I believe God is calling him to eldership. We're giving time for that. We're giving space for that. We're praying about that. We're testing him a little bit. But I genuinely feel God is calling us to bring Gavin into eldership. But we're not going to rush through that process. We'd like you to pray for us as we consider it. But we also don't want to hide what's going on in our head. Pray for them, Gavin and Haley, as they seek God and, they, and grow in all the authority and humility that God has clearly called them to. Pray for Haley particularly as Gavin takes on more responsibility and she is involved. This is a pivotal time, Jubilee, for the church. I'm going to land. The other Sunday, I arose again in faith as Michael Acotia called us to a new season in God. As Jeremy prophesied over th uh, in the midst of thousands of people um, at the Devoted Conference, that a replanting, a re-engineering, if you like, of what's going on here. As God spoke to us early this year through Andy, I'm, uh, he said this, I'm going to cause fires to ignite in your hearts and you will be known as the tribe of burning hearts. We'll send you that out again because that, 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 that prophetic really has kind of challenged and encouraged me over the last few months. Jubilee, where will you make a difference? Where will God's light shine you. I'm so grateful that God has put me, Charlotte, our kids in this church. Why? Because I'm convinced more than ever what God birthed 18 years ago is, to, is about to firework across Quayside. 
bringing hope, belonging, new life, purpose, joy, and freedom in Jesus Christ. I really have faith for that. Thank you so much for being the church you have been. Thank you for all your financial giving this year and over the years. Thanks for your prayer and prayer time and service. Thanks for your friendship. Thanks for your challenge. Thanks for, thanks for persevering through tough times. But this new season, Jubilee, I believe God is calling us to more. Greater calls of generosity, greater prayer, greater one-anothering, greater boldness, greater love, greater forgiveness, greater sacrifice. That will always be the case in the kingdom of God as it advances through his church. That is just normal. Jesus said very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, hands up if you believe in Jesus. That wasn't Turkey. Thank you. Whoever believes in Jesus, most of you, in me, sorry, very truly, whoever believes in me will do works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. All of you who put your hands up, greater works are promised to you in Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Spirit did at Pentecost in the early church. That's what the Spirit of God continues to do in His church today and ongoing. Jubilee, let's all live for Jesus. Simple, really. But it will cost you everything. But let me tell you this. He is worth it. He is. He totally is. Let's stand.